Welcome back to The Happy Hour, a palate-cleansing podcast. Where we talk about happy news and creative solutions to the issues of today. And we believe news is best heard over a glass of your favorite drink. I'm Malachi Wade. And I'm Shayla Martos. And on the show this week, we've got some news about California budgets and butterflies and more. And of course, a craft cocktail. This one is specifically made for those of you graduating this month. But we're doing things differently this time. We're starting this show with acknowledgement of the violent Israeli attacks on Palestinian people in Gaza. This week, Israeli bombardment during Ramadan has killed over 100 people. Palestinians in Gaza continue to flee, as many have done for over 60 years since Israel declared independence in 1948. Malachi and I are not here to offer any novel information about this conflict or to try and make this an objective, two-sided story. The Council on American-Islamic Relations, CARE, is one avenue for information and opportunities to get involved. One of their points on how to help Palestine resonated with us. CARE suggests finding a news story and following it, engaging with it, since news outlets do pay attention to what their audience is saying. Keep in mind that misinformation can spread like wildfire during violent conflict. One video posted by a spokesperson for the Prime Minister of Israel went viral on social media. It appeared to show Palestinian militants firing rockets at Israeli forces. But this video was from 2018, not from this week. The rockets were fired not from Gaza, but from Syria or Libya. Please practice media literacy. Find the context before you post. Don't do it to seem like you know what's going on. Make space for others' voices. We'll link some resources in the description. On Tuesday, May 11th, Governor Gavin Newsom unveiled a record-breaking budget plan to mitigate California homelessness. Over the next two years, the state will put $12 billion into getting tens of thousands of people into stable housing, according to the Mercury News. More than 160,000 people are currently experiencing homelessness in California, and I'm sure those of you in the Bay Area have seen the city's struggle to help people get access to shelter. This plan stems from the efforts to assist families and those in need of mental illness help during the height of the pandemic. Out of the $12 billion, $7 billion will be used to expand a pandemic program called Project Home Key that provides funding for cities to convert hotels into housing. Since this is one of the largest amounts of government funding allocated to tackle homelessness in U.S. history, it will be interesting and hopefully exciting to see what progress can be made. Hell yeah! Let's get people into some homes! Yes. Project Home Key has been a little touch and go, Mm -hmm. but hopefully now that it's getting more funding, they'll be able to work something out with these hotels. Yeah. And there's big vaccine news this week. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration authorized emergency use of the Pfizer vaccine for folks 12 to 15 years old. Clinical trials showed 100% efficacy at keeping teens 12 to 15 from admissions to hospitals or death from COVID-19. This is a huge step since previously only people over the age of 16 were eligible to receive the vaccine. According to Oaklandside, the 85,000 children ages 12 to 17 in Alameda County make up 5% of the population. The Latitude High School in Fruitvale held a walk-up vaccination clinic on May 1st, which gave out 120 of the first Pfizer vaccinations. Oaklandside reported that the Oakland Coliseum mass vaccination site is now down to an average of 400 doses per day. So that's not a small number for this high school. Yeah. It's a quarter of what they do at the Coliseum. Latitude High plans to hold another walk-up clinic on May 22nd, and other schools may follow suit. 
Right now, more than 51% of people over 16 in Alameda County are considered fully vaccinated. And the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention may authorize the use of Pfizer vaccines on children under 12 as soon as next week. You can search for a walk-up clinic on the state's MyTurn website or the volunteer-run site VaccinateCA. Also, the CDC loosened masking guidelines on Thursday, May 13th. Now, fully vaccinated people can be outside and indoors without masks. Situationally, of course. Many businesses still have mask requirements, so don't be a dick. And keep in mind that even though California is starting to open up our economy, there are other places all around the world that don't have access to vaccines, tons of people who are still at risk. So just keep that in mind. Check your privilege at the door. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. Check your privilege. That's what coat check is for. Coming up, we are so happy to have Chris Ramirez, the editor-in-chief of the Golden Gate Express, here to reflect on the semester and share his plans for the publication's future. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. We are joined by Chris Ramirez, he, him pronouns, the editor-in-chief of the Golden Gate Express newspaper at SF State. Welcome, Chris. Hi, thanks for having me on the program. I'm so grateful to be here and I'm so appreciative (laughs) of you all. So thank you. Thank you for being here and being (laughs) so appreciative. Yeah, Chris, we're so excited to have you on. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how you got into journalism? Sure. Uh, If you like long walks on the beach, etc. Very that, very that. So I'm 20. I'm from SoCal. I'm like an hour east of LA. I'm a Cancer Sun, Virgo Rising, Pisces Moon. You guys can figure out what that means. Let's see, why I got into journalism. So I always say I joined journalism because I'm horrible at math and this was the only other option for me, really. I think definitely, you know, I think I'm not to toot my own horn, but I think I'm a good writer. And so I definitely like to play to that strength. But also, I just love to talk, which everyone's going to find out today, right? And so it kind (laughs) of combines talking to people and just really, you know, having these intimate moments with sources or, you know, talking to people and learning their stories. And then writing, I don't know, I think I hit the gold mine with journalism. So I'm kind of, I really enjoy what I'm doing and I'm really excited just to you know, keep that momentum going. We love it. We love someone thank finding you. their groove, yeah. someone <laughs> finding their, their space within the world. So, so what kind of stories do you like to cover, Chris? Uh, what stories make you happy? I feel like I found kind of a niche in politics. I really enjoy covering politics for the sake of, I think, you know, there's so much going on. I also feel like politics is one of those inescapable things where we end up talking about it no matter if we like it or not. And so kind of what I what I take whenever I cover politics is how do I break down these really crazy things that even I'm kind of struggling to understand? And how do I pass that on to someone else? Because I think that knowledge is super, super important. And, you know, I'm all about people making informed decisions based off of what they learn. And so that's kind of that kind of really guides my thought process in taking on stories and what interests me. So. So pandemic EIC to pandemic EIC, you took over GGX after it was already online for two semesters, summer and fall 2020, and also during kind of the continuing peak pandemic pandemonium. So what has it been like to kind of keep the online flow and what have you done differently that you feel like worked really well? Yeah, I think something that I I really see as like a benefit for me is that I've which is really sad. I've never seen like an in-person express function before. It's like, I've, ne- I've been in the newsroom maybe like twice. So like, you know, all these like, oh, remember back in person? I'm like, no, I don't actually. So I think to my benefit of that, I feel like it's really allowed me to understand how expresses started to function online. Cause I started last summer, right? When we were very first online. 
and kind of mm-hmm. seen that grow. And I think through kind of you and David, a uh, former GGX News Editor-in-Chief, like I've kind of really learned, you know, what works, what can be improved. Honestly, a lot of planning, like before the semester even begins, I feel like kind of making sure that everyone who's kind of on staff and part of the editor team is knows what their expectations are and how to go about doing them, I think is the most important thing. Because once you have that momentum, it's going to carry you through the, rest of the, through the rest of the semester. And so really just kind of doing that. Um, I have a diversity editor this semester, which... I'm super, super proud of her, uh, Anais Lino. So she's great. Also have a visuals editor. So we added that this semester with Samantha Lowry and just absolutely killing it. Like just crazy. Just really, really dedicated, really, really willing to put the work in. And like, I see a lot of myself in her, which makes me super, super happy. And she's staying on staff for next semester. So we're really taking a lot of this knowledge that we have now and retaining it. So I'm really excited to see what we do next semester when we already know what we're doing. So Yeah, totally. (laughs) I wanted to say that the visuals on GGX recently, top tier. Absolutely fire. Multiple illustrators. Everything is just gorgeously illustrated. The graphics are great. Samantha's doing an amazing job. There are some people who, I mean, I've never met, but it looks like they're doing a really good job in, in making sure that the visuals on GGX are just super powerful. Props. I say thank you, but I, it's really, it's, I'm not an illustrator in any way, shape, or form. So I'm, I'm saying thank you, but really it's them that are putting in the hard work and really just kind of listening to our direction and just rolling with it. So You have been putting out amazing content, not just like GGX itself, the whole team, but you personally have been doing some really great work as well. So we want to talk about that. Uh, we'll keep so, going, keep flattering. I'm here for that. I, well, well, yeah, I'm going to keep going. Okay. I'm going to keep roses. flattering. Because thank, you, thank you. Roses, roses. So let's talk about this intensive first 100 days of yeah. the Biden administration project that you've been working on. So President Biden's 100 day was on April 29th. Could you give us the latest update on that project? Yeah. So the family's plan was unveiled, I believe, on the Tuesday, let's see, the 27th of April. And then he talked about it on the 28th at his uh, speech with Congress. So it's a $1.8 trillion plan. He really focuses on like fake family support, education, and the other one is, you know, investing in the IRS and tax cuts. And so it's this, you know, really comprehensive plan. I think it's like his third trillion dollar plan that he's introduced in the first hundred days. Yeah, he's a big baller spender. So I think, um, yeah, just kind of looking at that, um, you know, the way that we kind of visualize that is Biden, you know, he has those memes of, you know, eating ice cream and, you know, very memeable, right? And so I kind of took that idea and there's different like pie charts on each ice cream scoop that kind of breaks down what that looks like as far as, you know, education spending or the different kind of tiers of that. So the project is basically done. It's something that I really want to do is kind of break things down, make them, make it understandable for people and really engaging with, the, I think, the campus community as a whole. And so kind of in the earlier projects, what I do is I use a lot of audio from uh, SF State professors and let them kind of explain the things almost as if it's like, you know, oh, a student's just kind of chilling in office hours, right? And they have a question about something. That was kind of the vibe that I wanted. I was really, really happy with it. I was kind of looking at it last night and I was like, wow, like we really did this. Like as a whole newsroom, you know, getting people to write briefs, getting people to do illustrations like we were talking about earlier. So I'm really, really proud of the entire team for just, you know, contributing to it and really making something that fingers crossed, win some Hearsts, right? So (laughs) (laughs) the ice ice creams are so So good. And I think this really like is a perfect example about like the accessibility and like young generation kind of focused graphics that you did with this project. Mm -hmm. Just like 
I, I got a little giggle every single time I like looked at the pie charts and then the actual pie pie charts and the little receipt. And I think like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just absolutely blew it out of the water in terms of quality and like readability too. like nothing's too complicated. It's kind of hit that perfect mark of like fun to look at and also easy to understand. There's another project mm-hmm. that you have spearheaded along with multimedia editor Sebastian Mina Buccelli that is really close to Malachi and I's hearts as podcasters. The mm-hmm. Gator Talk podcast is really exciting. Yeah. Can you give <laughs> us a bit about why you and Sebastian wanted to take that on? Yeah, so that was all Sebastian's idea. I mean, we had really? talked about, yeah, we had talked about, you know, wanting a podcast. He like did an actual pitch for it. He brought it to me. He brought it to our advisors and really just wanted to, you know, emulate kind of like, you know, what the daily does for us, right? Or what kind of the bay does mm-hmm. for us. Started planning for it and we started thinking about it during the winter break. So even before the semester started. And Sebastian had ideas of like, you know, we want to do a 420 episode. We want to do a 415 day episode, right? Like we, we came in prepared for this one and watching it grow, I think has been so, so nice. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was there for like the beginning, you know, kind of holding his hand a little bit, kind of us going through it together. But now he's like, he's uploading things without me even knowing sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> I just have so much trust and confidence in him because I know what he's doing is great and I know he cares and I know he's willing to do the work. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, him just being able to get like, you know, board of supervisors on the podcast, getting the Bay Area memes uh, Instagram guy to come on the right. podcast. He's really, really creative and just, you know, super hardworking. So like Sebastian, like you're great if you're listening. Well, the change in the production value from the first few episodes to the latest ones that you've had, like the May the 4th and the episode on homelessness, it's just you can really see how much the show has grown, how much Sebastian has grown as a host as well. He seems a lot more comfortable and it really does seem like a, a good option for the other staff at Express to, to get that credit because you do need multimedia mm-hmm. credit. You know, kind of when we created this podcast, what we really wanted was, you know, it was a podcast by SF State students for SF State students, right? And so really having them like take away after each episode, like, oh, like I understand like this is around me or this is affecting me or some capacity, right? It's kind of really what we try and do with every episode. And so just kind of looking at the episodes that have been put out, I feel like we've accomplished that and we are still accomplishing that. And Gator Talk even got some rep from Neiman's Lab and you did too. So Express is now a part of this Cal State University wire service. And this has really elevated your coverage. Can you tell us a bit more about how you got involved with the wire service? Yeah, so I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just here talking about all the achievements that I think us as a collective newsroom have done. This was really Samantha who kind of, you know, gave us that connection and really pushed us toward engaging with them. Journalism spurs journalism, right? And so looking at what other people are covering, we can look at that and go, okay, now how do we make that SF state? Or how does that compare to us, right? And so a big thing with that is, you know, we have a new chancellor for the CSU, Joseph Castro. And so he's been kind of touring the CSU remotely. And so we've been able to kind of learn what he's saying at one school and then what he says at another school and really just kind of retain that information and have it flow so that way when he gets to us, because he hasn't gone to SF state yet, we can be like, okay, so you've said all this and now we can kind of compile things and build off of what's already been asked. So it's really just this huge collaborative effort that is super, super great. I'm like, a lot of us follow each other on Twitter and like, you know, we really just engage with each other and I'm super, super grateful for it. Again, a lot of that communication comes through Samantha. So I'm like, she mm-hmm. is, you know, I am her biggest cheerleader in that sense. Or, you know, she's just really allowing the publication to just 
grow like crazy right now. Yeah, no, it's super cool to see that connection across all the CSU campuses. And it mentions it in the Neiman's Lab article, but also CSU is the largest collection of universities in the whole country and also boasts a lot of student journalism. So it's really impressive and exciting to see more connections with that. I think that's really important nowadays that people are like talking more about how important student journalists are to journalism. The CSU, I think it's like, what did they say? It's like one university, 23 campuses or something like that. And so I feel like with this wire, we're really kind of, I think, collaborating, we're working together. I don't know. It's just, I really enjoy it. And I definitely think, you know, moving into the future because I will be EIC in the fall that I will, you know, continue to kind of expand on that. You are going to be the EIC in the fall. You're going to continue your work, which is really exciting. We're Mm -hmm. happy to see Mm -hmm. what you'll put out next. And last week you, you published a piece with Olivia about classes returning to in-person this fall and Express has now been fully online for, for over a year. So what changes do you see for, for Golden Gate Express and and what do you think will stay the same if the university goes back in person? I think the biggest kind of question for Express as far as, you know, going back in person is what's going to happen with print? You know, I think that's a big giant question. We're going to maintain an online only platform, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have an on-campus presence, right? I I don't think that's an excuse for us to kind of just fade away and just, you know, let people not even know that there's an Express that exists because that'd be devastating personally for my ego. Um, (laughs) So, you know, just really kind of, you know, finding ways to reimagine how do we kind of put ourselves out there and make our presence known and really just kind of engage with the campus community. You know, again, I think Community is kind of that big theme that I think everyone kind of wants, everyone's kind of craving right now as we kind of, you know, transition out of this stage of the pandemic, right? And so really mm-hmm. trying to be, to show up and be present for, you know, whether it's clubs and orgs on campus, whether it's the faculty or other students, right? I think being as present as we possibly can be is, I think, really going to be our success. And so we're like thinking about that right now, what we want to do with that, what that might look like. And you know, just kind of thinking about what could be, I think is super exciting. Yeah. And also just like last year when there was a big opportunity for reporting on pandemic related stuff, there's going to be a big opportunity for Express to report on things returning back to the campus. And like you said, clubs and organizations and stuff kind of coming back and figuring out how are they going to live in this like weird transition time of during and post pandemic and it, it seems like it is still kind of a, a little bit up in the air since it's an option for teachers to bring things back. So obviously, I don't know if you know for sure if Express is going to have a, a physical newsroom in the fall yet or if that's still a question. Express is not going to be back in person for the reason of, you know, if we have people who are remote and people who are in person, it would be chaotic, you know, trying to have people zoom into a person, an in-person class or, you know, have different sections and what that might look like. So mm-hmm. definitely devastating (laughs) but you know i think i think zoom has worked in the sense of remote reporting has really allowed us to expand beyond what we might have done strictly in person like example Mm -hmm. i did a story about politics for my feature writing class and i interviewed howard dean ran for president 2004 literally in vermont right like i would have never even thought to have even sent that email out right and so Mm -hmm. remote learning i think does open the door for that and also i think we still can kind of you know manifest community in its own ways even if it's not you know what we might think of it as so i think you know Shaylin, you and uh, Malachi did a really good job of that last semester with like, you know, the virtual newsroom, right? Which I miss very dearly. So, <laughs> so like, you know, kind of creating community. So yeah, no, I, mm-hmm. the amount of shit that we talked. 
I think this is really just uh, us figuring out that maybe we should bring it back. Oh, yeah. No, fully. We did an end of semester survey and people were like, can we bring something like that back? So like your guys' influence, your guys' power. So (laughs) be proud of that. No, but for real, like I think, you know, ways that we can imagine community in ways that maybe not the first thing that we go to, but still impactful and still beneficial for, you know, our staff, for the, you know, campus community, I think are super important. And I'm just kind of looking for ways that we can do that. Is there anything that you want to plug, Chris? Your projects, your social media, your LinkedIn? Sure. You can find me on Pinterest and Google Docs at... Um, no. <laughs> no. First, I would promote just Express overall, goldengateexpress.org. Also, Gator Talk Pod on all social media. And then First 100, I think, you know, these are projects that we've worked super hard on. And I want to make sure that they get the attention they deserve. And um, really just to highlight all of our kind of collective efforts on Express. So, I'm like, not about me. I'm like... Do not look me up. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually going to unfollow you just so that we don't like have too much connection. I I do not want to be perceived. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Oh, it's been so much fun having you on the podcast. It really has been. Long overdue. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that that we were able to do it right now because I feel like the work that you've been doing recently is really important. And Mm. the way that you have been collaborating with the express staff has just been really heartwarming to us y'all are doing amazing work i just want to say that in all my life i I found it very difficult to create safe spaces where i can feel included and this podcast is not only accessible but it allows me to feel seen to feel visible to others on an audio only platform how crazy is that so thank you for your vulnerability thank you for your rawness thank you for your support and really uplifting me okay i really appreciate that thank you (laughs) yeah so thank you so much chris for coming on we really appreciate it and we're gonna be back in just a moment with another happy story a cocktail recipe and our infamous last call bye chris bye bye Welcome back, everyone. Wasn't that so nice to catch up with Chris Malachi? It was so nice. We love him so much, and we can't wait to see what Express gets into this next semester. For our last story, in the Presidio in San Francisco, a flash of brown, red, yellow, and white is a welcome sight. The variable checker spot butterfly hasn't been seen in the Presidio since the 1970s because of loss of habitat. Just to put a perspective on that, that's 50 years. That's 50 years ago. Yeah. According to SFGate, over the years, the ecologists at the Presidio Trust have been working to restore native plants for locally extinct species to return. These butterflies only have two host plants. The California bee plant hosts checkerspot caterpillars, and the sticky monkey flower provides nectar for the butterflies. Once there were plenty of host plants, the ecologists at the Presidio had to go and find some caterpillars and bring them home, since the butterflies cannot fly far and the caterpillars cannot crawl far, according to wildlife ecologist Jonathan Young. So in 2017, folks from the Presidio Trust traveled to San Bruno Mountain, found some little baby caterpies, put them on ice to slow their metabolism, and released them on the California bee plants in the Presidio. Four years later, the variable checkerspot butterflies are thriving, and the Presidio Trust is hoping to revive other native species in the future. They're so cute and fuzzy. Mm -hmm. They have little tiny little yellow tips on their antennae. 
Also, you can plant the California bee plant and the sticky monkey flower in your front yards and attract some of these cute butterflies because not only are those native plants, they're also drought friendly plants. Um, yes. So grow more native plants in your yards. Yes. Also, exactly. I thought that caterpies was you misspelling caterpillar, but I was like, there might be a reason why Shaylin did this. So I Googled caterpies and I'm now educated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're so cute. I love caterpies. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show, our craft cocktail. This drink is for all of you graduates this spring. What better way to celebrate over 12 years of deadlines, tests, and heartbreak than tequila? Now, you may have heard that tequila is the only alcohol which is a stimulant, not a depressant. But that's a myth. Tequila's principal active ingredient is still ethanol, which is a depressant. But hey, it's still fun and delicious. Just don't expect tequila to do the heavy lifting of your post-grad depression. And maybe while you reconsider every decision you've ever made, especially your degree, you'll have some time to practice your at-home bartending skills. Every bartender needs to know how to make a mean margarita. So this week we have a fresh take on a Cadillac margarita. Here is Oh the Places You'll Mango. Here's what you'll need. Tequila. We suggest reposado instead of blanco. It'll taste better with the mango. Contro or triple sec, if you can swing for the contro, do, but triple sec is cheaper. Grand Marnier, which is a delicious orange liqueur. This is a bit pricey, but it is the ingredient that makes your drink a Cadillac margarita, and you can use this for many other drinks in the future. It's a yummy, versatile liqueur to have. Also, some fresh lime juice. It's best if you squeeze the limes yourself. Some mango juice, and for the mocktail version, some orange juice and club soda. So for the mocktail, it's just mango juice, lime, orange juice, club soda. Then you also need two small plates and some salt, which you're going to salt the rim with. You'll build this baby in a shaker filled halfway with ice. First, pour in two ounces of your Reposado tequila. Then you're going to add one ounce of Contro and one ounce of Grand Marnier. Then add two ounces of mango juice. If you're making the mocktail, put in four ounces of mango juice and two ounces of orange juice. Squeeze a whole lime in there, the whole thing. Before you shake the margarita, grab two small plates. On one, squeeze some lime juice, enough to fill the bottom of the plate. On the other, place a healthy amount of salt. And if you've got some tahini or lihimui powder, put some of that too. Grab your drink glass and dip the rim in the juice and twist it a bit. Do the same thing in the salt, then fill the glass with ice. Now top the shaker and shake the shit out of that margarita. Strain into your salt-rimmed glass. And for the mocktail, top the margarita off with club soda and give it a little swirl. Lastly, top with a quarter slice of lime. There you go. This drink is strong, citrusy, sweet, salty, and perfect for ringing in a fresh new start of post-grad life. Also, this drink is a great option for groups for your post-vac small grad get-togethers. I'm so proud of myself I'm for saying so that proud well. of you. <laughs> We hope you enjoy Oh the Places You'll Mango. You can find all of our cocktails on our Instagram at THH Podcast or on our website linked in the show notes. And now it's time for our last call. Malachi, what's making you happy this week? Oh man. Well, um <laughs> I should be receiving my graduation gown stole and cap soon in the mail. Um, so I'm hoping that that will help provide me with some emotional closure to my college experience. <laughs> I'm going to do some photo shoots 
And also next Thursday, I become fully vaccinated. So I'm going to visit my grandparents and take pictures with them because I know that they would want that. Um, and I want that as well, since, you know, they Aww. can't come to my commencement. But and and remember when I mentioned that I'm fully vaxxed next Thursday? Mm-hmm. Well, I have not been able to shut up about the fact that I am going up to San Francisco to visit Shaylin and some of my other friends and some of some of our friends in person because we're all vaccinated um, and we're going to celebrate graduation and just have a good time. And I... I don't think I've seen you in person for seven months. It's been it's been about seven months. Yeah. But I'm just really excited to be able to see my friends. And I postponed my non-emergency root canal for this. So we're going to we're really going to make the most of it. <laughs> anyway, Shaylin, what's making you happy this week? I uh, I'm really, really happy that my little sister can now get the vaccine. Yes. I'm just very, 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 very excited because then the whole the whole family on my mom's side will be vaccinated. I love it. And that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. I also received an awesome book of poetry, essays, and such from a Chamorro author named Craig Santos Perez that I just started reading, and it's absolutely amazing. Oh, uh, when this episode drops... We we will have just had a house meeting for the organization that I volunteer with. And these house meetings are integral to organizing, systemic organizing in communities. And I'm very excited about that. Yes. House meetings start revolutions. That's how big things begin is grassroots levels. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Happy Hour. We'll be back in two weeks with more happy news and tailor-made drinks. Thank you to Armand Villamoria for our wonderful theme music, Harika Medala for running our social media, and to Chris Ramirez for speaking with us about your work. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. The Happy Hour is produced by Malika Wade and Shailen Martos.